Okay. Say good morning um, to everyone again, and thank you for coming back to class. And uh, today we are continuing in our in our um, lesson, uh, looking at the survey of the Book of Acts, and we are taking a very non-traditional view, um, I guess, um, against what we have learned throughout our church experience, and we are looking at the Book of Acts. Um, in regards to the continuation of um, Old Testament history, a continuation of Israel's history. And we see the transitioning from one, uh, from one place to another, from one covenant to another, from Israel being God's promised people to now the church being the promised people, uh, from coming to having uh, written scriptures to having no new written scriptures. So therefore the height of an inspiration uh, to write is very high at this, at this uh, point here. So we are at a very pivotal moment um, in history. And so uh, we have to approach um, scriptures as such. And so today we are on chapter five when we're looking at the end of a era, the temple system and its, uh, and its leaders. And um, so I pray that you all have the opportunity to do some of the reading. Um, like I said, we will cover this uh, particular chapter um, in two weeks, uh, take over. Uh, we'll, we'll, um, it will take us about two weeks to cover this, this chapter here. I want to go over some quick housekeeping um, as the email that was sent out, uh, I think last week, that we have uh, class this week. Uh, we won't have class on the 25th or the 1st, uh, and uh, we'll pick it up the, the following week on the, on the 8th. Um, that, that's when we'll pick up. So we have a two-week break coming upon us that gives you time to catch up on your reading <laughs> and catch up on uh, videos. If you have missed videos, um, all the videos are posted, except I believe last week is not posted yet. It's actually on YouTube, but it's not posted on the website yet. Um, so you're able to catch up on your um, reading and all your assignments. Also put in the email that we will go back to have um, in-person TLC um, starting in the month of January. Um, it might be on the 8th or on the 15th. I just have to make sure I get the logistics um, ironed out and I'll let you all know so you all can prep your life uh, especially for those who are coming in person. Uh, you might have to wake up a little earlier uh, to get ready and to meet us in person. But Zoom will be still available, of course, for those who are, are out-of-towners, uh, for those who uh, can't make it in person. Zoom will still be available, okay? So we're not going to leave you all out there. We're just going to, um, it's been a request, and it's been a request for a while for us to go back um, into uh, having in-person TLC. And so um, so we're going to start that in January, okay? So um, before I hop into the lesson here, are there any questions or comments concerning today's reading or previous weeks or just in a question in general? Um, now is your time to ask a question. And of course, throughout the lesson, you're able to ask questions as well. All right, cool. I just wanted to, um, of course, afford you all um, the opportunity. Uh, <laughs> I'll take a vote on what on in in house. <laughs> uh, um, the the cries have been uh, has been uh, uh, it's been loud, and so uh, trust me, I I like uh, staying on on Zoom only, but. Uh, of course, you all, um, we uh, provide that you have an option of, um, <laughs> of being in person or on Zoom. So um, there's no pressure, uh, but uh, now we have the, the opportunity to come in person and uh, to, to ask questions in person and, and things of that sort have, uh, to be more interactive. So uh, who knows may show up, probably just me and uh, Pastor and uh, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> sitting there uh, like it was before uh, and, and that's 
fine. Uh, we always have great conversation when it comes to the scriptures anyway. So, um, so yeah. So um, let's go ahead and, um, and hop into, into the lesson um, uh, here. Let me share my screen with you all. All right. Um, ooh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think I dropped this uh, lesson in the folder in the uh, drive, the G drive. So um, after you know what? No, let me do. It. Let me just do it now because afterwards I'm not going to remember. Um, so uh, I'm going to drop this lesson here in in Google Drive real quick, so that those who um, follow along, may be able to follow along here. So let me drop it. My morning's been a little, a little hectic, so I forgot to drop it in there. Uh, drop, book of Acts. So we've been at this for about 11 weeks now. All right, so now um, it should be available in the drive if you um, follow along. Um, uh, the PowerPoint is in the drive now. Okay, so let's continue here. All right, so we're talking about the end of an era, um, its temple system and, um, and its leaders. And so, um, like I said, the book, this, this textbook author and even Luke is trying to help us to understand um, that, um, that we must consider audience, we must consider the fact that the, the church or the, the Jews were in a period of transitioning from being um, under the old covenant to the new covenant, from being uh, the, the Jews being God's chosen people to now the church being God's chosen people. And so, um, and so that's that's something that we must really keep in mind when looking at the at the book of Acts. OK, um, and so uh, let's look at our um, lesson objectives here. And so it says to um, today we are going to learn more about um, Old Testament historical and prophetic context of the promise of the Holy Spirit. We're going to learn more about how, how coherently um, the Bible unfolds God's plan of salvation throughout Scripture. And so, uh, like I said before, the emphasis on transition is very important here, and it's designed to build our coherency uh, so that we won't make uh, unnatural breaks in scripture or um, handle um, scripture in a way that is not um, coherently coherent. And so the, the fact that our Bible is not really in chronological order really hinders us from looking at scriptures um, in a cohesive way. Um, and so we have to continue to grow and continue to mature as Bible students um, in order uh, so that we can um, be able to see scriptures and how they flow and be able to see God's plan of salvation unfold throughout scripture, okay? So, and then number three is to learn more about the correlation of salvation to both Jews and non-Jews, okay? Um, and so the chapter five, um, it has four sections. It's not that long, like the previous um, chapters that we've been looking at. Um, we've got the debate about the temple, um, the Davidic king in his last days, um, the temple and the temple leadership of Jesus and universal authority, and then Stephen, the temple and Jesus. And so today we'll probably cover the first, first and second. Maybe we'll see how far we get. And then next uh, next time we get together on January uh, the eighth, we will finish the rest out the rest of this chapter. Uh, we only have after this particular chapter, we only have um, I believe one more chapter that I will cover um, in this um, in this class, and then we'll move on to our next class. I thought I had in mind the next class, but um, <laughs> I think I'm gonna switch gears a little bit here. And so I will um, announce to you all the next class um, in the coming weeks. 
And of course, you're able to register and you're able to get books. Um, of course, we have um, a lot of people who've been giving um, to this program. And so therefore, it allows us to, to keep this program uh, to be free for those who have decided to become disciples of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I want to encourage you to, to, um, to continue to give so that uh, we're able to uh, fulfill God's uh, mission for us. And it's that, it's that is to make disciples, okay? So, um, and this is one way of making disciples is uh, training. This is the first level of discipleship is training. So, um, so yeah, we're thankful and we praise God for, um, for the gifts and for, and um, also to be able to keep this program uh, free for all, okay? Um, so let's go ahead and jump into here, the end of an error, the, uh, the temple system and its leaders. And so right now we are at a end of a particular time or end of a um, dispensation of law and going to the dispensation of grace. And so we are looking at that transition and how that would look, how, how does that look like? What, what does it look like? Um, and also we're zooming in even uh, particularly in, in its, the temple system and um, its leadership, okay? So, um, so we are going to look at the place of the temple from one era to another temple. And so we must understand the difference between um, how they function in old covenant temple versus uh, today with the new covenant, the body of Christ, okay? So there, there is a difference, um, and, um, but there is some overlapping when we look at the particular timeline on how everything unfolds here. And so I'm gonna show you this, um, before I read the scripture, I wanna show you this particular timeline. It may look confusing, but I'm just using it for the, the color sake here. And so in the pink, um, is where the the law is in place, okay? And then in the green is where the new covenant is in, is in place and it's more focused on the spiritual aspect rather than the religious aspect uh, and rituals, which the law was focused on religion and rituals. And the, the new covenant in which we are in now focuses on the spiritual aspect and the relational aspect with God. And you see that um, there is some overlapping. There is some overlapping here where both systems are still in play. But technically, once Jesus died on the cross and once he is resurrected, the, the old covenant or the, yeah, the old covenant, um, the, the temple system is no longer in play. But the Jews did not know um, the implications of Jesus dying, that, that the law would no longer be in play. And so they, uh, we will see in the book of Acts that you will see disciples still going to the temple and still doing their daily rituals because they have not fully understood what just took place here. And so for the next 40 years, you see the disciples, um, uh, you see that the uh, the observance of the law um, is still in play until 70 AD. Now, I've been talk talking about 70 AD. Who remembers what happens in 70 AD? The temple was destroyed. My Lord, the temple was destroyed. So therefore the temple is the center of life, the center of living for the Jews. And once the temple is destroyed, there is no more daily going to the temple and praying and doing daily sacrifices. So therefore that right there was an instance that God allowed the temple to be destroyed to show the Jews that, uh, that salvation and that, uh, yes, that salvation is not through the, the Mosaic law anymore and that there is a new covenant in place um, and that a new way of living is now in place here, okay? So that is something to really, um, to really understand there at that point there, okay? So um, let me go back here to the scripture. Uh, so this is kind of the opening scripture that I wanted to, 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 to use. And it says that it was about noon and the darkness came over the whole land 
um, until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn into two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he has said this, he breathed his last. Okay, so the scripture, uh, Luke says it was around about noon, but we have to understand that Jesus is, I mean, that God is very precise um, in his timing. So it wasn't just about noon when it comes to God's timeline that it was at the exact moment when, um, when the shedding of blood happened, when he hung his head and he breathed his last breath, the, the veil was torn into two and the spirit of the Lord left the temple. Okay. So that is um, something that we must really keep in mind. God's presence was in the holies of holies and no man could enter into the holies of holies, but the high priest. Okay. And so when the, the veil was ripped into two, that represents the presence of God being no longer there. And so uh, we have to, we have to understand, if we uh, really look at the big picture that for 1500 years, the, 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 um, the Jews went to the temple to offer sacrifices and that, that veil was um, hung up in the temples uh, for, for that long. And now to come to a place where the temple was, uh, was torn, they did not understand the implications of the veil being torn. Because during the time when Jesus died, um, there were natural disasters that happened. There were earthquakes going on. Um, that's when there was an eclipse. And so it was, um, it looked like midnight at 3 p.m. Um, and so there were a lot of natural, um, uh, natural circumstances that took place during that time. And who would have known that the, that the veil was ripped into two except the high priest? So more than likely, they just probably sewn up the veil and kept it moving and still continued to do their daily sacrifices, not knowing that the presence of God had left the temple. Their sacrifices to God are now empty. Their visiting the temple is now empty because God, God no longer resides in the temple. That is something to really think about, that they went on with, well, with business as usual because they had not received the revelation yet that God is no longer in the temple. Um, and so uh, they uh, went on throughout their days. And then now we're in a, a period of, of transitioning. Um, they would not have known that that veil had been torn into two until they read the disciples accounts, the apostles accounts. In the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, all of them record um, this veil being ripped into two. And so just think about it, that the book of Matthew was written about the 50s or 60 AD and the, the, the tearing of the temple, the tearing of the veil happened in about 30 AD. So about, um, for, so about 20 to 30 years they had no idea what happened in the temple. So for 20 or 30 years, they're, uh, they're um, offering sacrifices and worshiping God who had le already left the temple. And so this is something, this is a, a situation that we really must keep in mind um, that they, they had no idea that this occurred until they read the apostles accounts, okay? Um, and so through divine revelation and divine inspiration, um, Luke is able to uh, write about this um, particular moment. And we have to understand, we have to remember that Luke's audience is Theophilus, uh, which is, uh, we believe that he was uh, the one that funded Luke's um, voyage uh, to get an orderly account of all of the, the happenings that, that is going on. And the second theory is that, um, that Theophilus meant God lovers, that he may be talking to a group of those who feared God and was interested um, in, in this new way of living and getting an orderly account for them. And so, um, but that is something to, to really uh, remember and that um, even after 
um, the day of Pentecost, they still went back to the temple and they still did their daily sacrifices, okay? Many of the disciples were expelled from the temple because of their radical teachings um, in which they were doing um, in, the, in the temple, okay? Um, and so uh, uh, many of them were kicked out, like I said, kicked out of the synagogues. In Acts chapter three and four, the disciples kept going to the temple because they didn't know anything about the curtain, like I said. And so um, in your book, if you look in your book on page 145, it is a note. It says like note number two, I want to read that little note there, okay? If you have your book on page 145, it says, of the occurrence of the term um, Hiron, or Hiron Temple in the New Testament, um, 39 occur in Luke and in Acts, okay? Um, in Luke Acts, um, uh, Hiron refers to generally to the temple courts whereas Naos refers more specifically to the temple sanctuary rather than the outer precincts, okay? Um, and so when the Bible mentions the word temple, we have to have an understanding of where in the temple um, the disciples were, okay? So here's a picture of, of the temple. And um, a lot of the activities went on uh, in, this, in this particular section here. You can see my mouse kind of circling. Um, a lot of the particular uh, activities that kind of went on um, in this place here. So, as, as of course, we see the, the, the courtyard, the Gentiles. We, are, we hear about um, Solomon's portico uh, where Jesus um, uh, was um, hanging out at times. And um, so I wanted to just give you a picture of the temple. And here, number, here where it says number one, this is the holy place here. And then you have the altar, the priest courtyard and the Israelite courtyard right here, okay? So, so, uh, so they weren't allowed um, in, in the temple in this area here um, anymore. They can be out here, but they weren't allowed in, inside the temple anymore. And so, uh, but there were some, according to scripture, that really believed on Jesus and really wanted to follow Jesus, but refused to outwardly express their faith. And um, in the book of John chapter 12, um, it says that um, nevertheless, many even of authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. So they would not be put out of the synagogue for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. You see here um, what the, um, what the uh, many believers, they, they decided to just keep their profession of Jesus Christ to themselves because they don't want to be looked upon differently uh, from, from man, okay? So um, one thing that we have to remember when it comes to the temple, that the only place the temple uh, resided was in Jerusalem. And so we talked about a few weeks ago, the the uh, dispersion or diaspora Jews who live in various places around the world, around the, uh, the, the Mediterranean area, the, uh, Middle Eastern, the Middle Eastern world. And um, many of them, of course, could not come to the temple daily to offer sacrifices, but there is provision in the law where, uh, where for, for those who, um, did not live in Jerusalem, that there were um, other provisions made for them. And so, but they were, they were required though to visit Jerusalem three times a year. And that's what we talked about a few weeks ago during the, the day of Pentecost, that Pentecost, the day of Pentecost was not anything new that they've been celebrating and observing the day of Pentecost for 1500 years. Okay. And so, um, and so uh, that was, um, God's provision for them that they had to come to um, to Jerusalem, um, and once they uh, required or fulfilled these particular uh, commandments of God, they will also receive the blessings from the Lord. Okay, and so um, and so one thing that we must look at when it comes to the temple system is that the the order of leadership in the temple. Okay. So who were the leaders of the temple system? You have the priest, 
you have the Pharisees, you have the Sadducees, and you have the scribes, okay? So this was the, the top order of, um, of the temple system. And this particular uh, temple system was replaced with the body of Christ, okay? Um, whereas the old temple system was focused on religion and rituals, the body of Christ is, is focused on relationship and spiritual connection with, uh, with our Lord, okay? Um, and um, these particular uh, leaders were in charge of, of protecting, of guarding, and interpreting and enforce, enforcing religious system. This is the group that uh, Jesus said that sat in Moses' seat. And so they were um, in charge of, of guarding the word and, and um, enforcing religious the religious system here. Okay, and then eventually, as the church began to come on the scene, they were replaced by the apostles. Okay, and and they became the the guard the guardians of the word. And as um, the apostles began to appoint elders and begin to appoint um, deacons um, in the church, now they are the guardians of the word. Okay, those who are have the, the uh, office of teaching those who are um, called to be elders and those who are called to be teachers of the word are now the guardians of, of the body of Christ. They're guardians of the word and are in charge to make sure that, um, that the word of God, that the will of the father is being taken, is, um, is going forth uh, within the body of Christ, okay? Ephesians 4, those um, who are called to, to build, um, uh, Ephesians 4 and 12, those who are called to build and continue to, uh, we are always building on, we're always working on the body. We're always building up on the body until the Lord comes um, and calls us home, okay? So that that's um, one thing that we must really keep in mind here when it comes to um, the old religious system versus the new religious system. Um, any questions so far? I know I've been going, so I wanna make sure that you all are with me and understanding um, where we are. Okay. All right, all right, cool, cool, cool. So now we're going to hit the um, debate about the temple in Acts, okay? Um, so because of the obvious, the temple being the center of Jewish religion at the time of Jesus and his apostles, many scholars continue to debate the role and the function of the temple service uh, during the transitional period of church history, okay? So the transitional period, of course, is the 40 years from 30 AD to 70 AD, from the time that Jesus died until the point where the temple was destroyed, this was the transitional period, okay? Um, and so many scholars believe that the churches we have today replace the temples, and that's not true. The church building does not replace the temple, but the, the people replace the temple. For now, uh, the old, in the old covenant, the God dwelled um, in the temple, whereas today we are God's temple, we are God's building, and he dwells in us today, okay? So many scholars, they, I, I, don't, I don't get why they mess up that, but as clear as day in scripture, where, um, where we see the transitioning, but I think that's become that's because of the allegiance of Christianity, where we where we have been taught that uh, we have to come to a building to experience uh, to experience God, to get into His presence and to sup with Him and all that jazz. We we think that we have to come into a building to do so, but contrary to to that that popular belief, Scripture says that we are the building, according to First Corinthians chapter three, and that God dwells in, dwells in us. Okay, and so um, let's see here. Let me go back to the slide here. It says the real truth is that the temple continued to be the center of Jewish life for some time after Jesus suffering death and resurrection and ascension, okay? But we know um, now, 
that during the period of his ascension until the complete destruction by the Romans, the temple held little. Oh, let me come here. Okay, let me tell Tanya, did you have something or you were just unmuted? Okay. Um, um, and so, um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, until the, uh, the temple had any, uh, it didn't really have any significance at all. Okay. So the day of Pentecost, um, which by way was the, was only once mentioned, um, in the, in the book of Acts actually ushered, that's the next slide here. Uh, actually ushered, sorry, there we go, um, in a new era for the people of God, okay, um, and so um, in Acts 2, that's the scripture I wanted, there we go, in Acts 2, this is, this is what, this is um, their new way of living, so in day by day, attending the temple together, breaking a bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day, um, those who were being saved. And so you see that they still attended the temple together. Okay. So, um, and we see in um, other verses that they attended the temple. They um, did a lot of preaching to non, um, non-believing Jews. Okay, so they preach Jesus Christ in in the temple, uh, in the courts. Remember, let me see here. Let me go out here. Since they were expelled from the the courts, they were out here in the Gentile courtyard, out here in the portico. They were preaching uh, Jesus Christ there, and then once they um, uh, win people over, that's when they invited them back to their homes uh, and begin to do what we know as discipleship, teaching, um, loving one another, having generous hearts. And, and um, this was the, the idea that God had in mind for his new covenant people, okay? That we will go out and preach, um, uh, we will go out and preach and then to bring them back and to disciple them. Okay. So that is the goal to always to disciple um, and to raise them up um, and to raise people up. Okay. Um, let's go back to this slide here. Okay. So the new era will include a new dwelling place. Okay. Um, but before I get to that point there, I want to go into the book on page 152. If you have your book on page 152, in that first, see, in the under the activity of the temple, and then if you go down in that long paragraph and go to the point where it says in 246. So in Acts 246, he merely states that they continue together continue to meet together in the temple as well as sharing meals together in their homes and in three one a particular time all is that mentioned it is of course quite possible that they did go and pray in the temple it should be noted however that only uh, that the only activity Luke records that the believers doing in the temple in this context is proclaiming Jesus and then the um, the author of this book um, lists um, some scriptures that you can look at. Um, thus, it must uh, be acknowledged that to see anything more in Luke reference to the, uh, references to the believer's activity in the temple courts in Acts 2 through 5 is to read more into Acts than Luke himself has said, okay? And then, um, let's see, I don't have that scripture here, but in 3, three and 1, um, when we look at um, Acts 3 and 1, we see that Peter, Peter, um, that Peter and John were going up to the temple um, at, on the uh, ninth hour to pray. Okay, so even Peter and John still went to the temple and they did their daily routine. Okay, um, and um, and there um, they encountered um, a man uh, that was lame from birth. Okay, and so let's um, let's go back to the slide here. Um, Let's look at the scripture here. So uh, for years, 
people were going to the temple not knowing that the um, that the temple uh, was basically useless because God no longer dwelled there. And so in 1 Corinthians, uh, we are told, uh, these are scriptures um, that we are told that we are God's dwelling place. So the one that I referenced earlier is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, do you uh, not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple, okay? In 2 Corinthians 6 and 16, it says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And we see this reference in the book of Ezekiel. He talks about um, how he's going to make the people his dwelling place, okay? And then the last scripture is Ephesians 2 and 21. It says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, okay? Um, and so so the question is, going back to the slide, uh, let me see here, go it says, so the question is, how does Luke treat the temple throughout the book of Acts? Okay, debate um, has risen in part because of two apparently conflicting types of evidence in the text of Acts. Okay, um, and so um, it says, again, the discussion requires that Acts should be interpreted in respect to its original readers which is the Jew, Jewish believers who will be very familiar with temple, temple era, uh, Jewish religious, uh, religious customs, okay? So let's, let's see here. Okay, so we have, uh, let me see here. I do have time to just, just go ahead and hop into the next section here. I didn't think I have time to do this section, but I do. So let's look at the Davidic king um, the last days and the temple here, okay? So let's go to here. It says, it turns out that the gradual correlation Luke makes between the temple, um, the Vedic king and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, um, last days, et cetera, is no casual coincidence. For Luke, all of these things are part of an overall fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Um, in other words, what we just discussed concerning Pentecost is connected to the miracle recorded in chapter three, okay? Luke connects these two chapters by um, his use of highlight, highlighting the temple um, in uh, two and 46 and three and one, okay? In a sense, um, the emphasis um, uh, of Peter in chapter three um, and in Stephen's sermons um, in chapter seven, only reminds uh, Luke's readers um, of in the meantime theme again. While they both present Jesus as a fulfillment of the Davidic covenant, the risen Lord is presented as placing his dwelling place among his people in a way that no longer relies on a physical house. Jesus is portrayed as sitting on David's throne in one sense, but there seems to, to also be a futuristic aspect of this truth. So the themes of inauguration and consummation are once again highlighted, okay? So remember um, the inaugural kingdom is what Jesus introduced um, here on earth where the people don't have to wait until um, they get to heaven to live a life uh, of God, that they have the opportunity now. And so we are still in the inaugural kingdom today, that we can live the way that Jesus wants us to live today, and we don't have to wait until the consummated kingdom, okay, to live, um, to live, with, um, to live with God, okay? Uh, let's go back to the book on page 148. Let's go to 148. And like I said, anytime, just stop me um, if you have any questions or comments. Um, let's see here. In the book on page 
148, if I can get there, um, that first paragraph that says, in the first main section, we will see that in drawing attention to both the Davidic kingship of Jesus and the arrival of the last days in Acts 2, and in deliberately linking the beginning of Acts 3 with the end of Acts 2, Luke is preparing his readers for why he will focus on the temple in Acts 3 through 7. That is, 3 through 7 is meant to be read in light of Acts 1 to 2, okay? So when you're reading this particular section um, in your book, you want to have in mind chapters basically 1 through 7 and the um, connection of how 3 through 7 connects with 1, one and 2, okay? Um, let's go to the next paragraph. It says, the account of David's rise to the throne in 2 Samuel demonstrates that the temple and the Davidic covenant have been associated from the very beginning, okay? So in 2 Samuel chapter two, um, uh, David had the desire to uh, build God a house. So he had this um, beautiful edifice, this beautiful building, and he had a desire to, to build uh, God, God, a, um, God a place uh, to dwell. And um, he, of course, spoke to Nathan, who was the prophet, about this. And Nathan told him, gave him the green light. It says, you know, uh, King David, do whatever is in your heart uh, to do. Um, and so um, here in this particular section here, kind of we are kind of familiar with this story here. But the question arises between uh, uh, as we find out that Nathan kind of spoke out of turn or out of pocket. Uh, was trying to speak for the Lord, and the Lord he goes in in uh, and Second Samuel chapter seven. He said, "When did I made it known uh, to that I wanted a house?" He said, "I've been traveling from place to place um, year after year. When did I make it known that I wanted a house?" And so, one thing that um, that uh, that we must keep in mind here is that uh, revelation versus being emotional, <laughs> and so here. Uh, David was being emotional and wanted to do something good for the Lord, but we have to make sure uh, and here in this particular place that even though we may have good intentions, we have to make sure that it is God's will that he wants that done uh, for him, for himself. And so, um, and so Nathan uh, told him to do what's in his heart. And then the same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Um, let's see here. I don't have that scripture up here, but is in second Samuel chapter seven. I'll, I'll read it. It says in the same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, go tell my servant, David, thus said the Lord, are you the one to build me a, a, a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people from Israel, from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving around in a tent and tabernacle. Um, and then he goes on. He says, um, now, therefore, thus uh, you say, um, you shall say, my servant David, thus said the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture and following the sheep to be my prince over the people of Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and I have cut off all your enemies before you. And then he goes in, he goes down on verse 13. He says that, no, 12. He says, for, for your days are filled and you lie down with your ancestors, I will raise up an offspring after you um, who shall come forth from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne uh, of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. Uh, when he commits iniquity, I will punish him with the rod as such mortals use with blows inflicted by human beings. And so here with the scripture here, you see that God is, he's going, he's going in and out. He's talking about Solomon in one aspect, but yet at the same time, he's talking about Jesus. And so um, he's talking about um, the established a, a throne forever. That is through Jesus. That is through Jesus Christ. And we know that, um, that the temple was built uh, uh, by Solomon and that when he, um, of course, Solomon, he um, committed sin. He um, committed, they says, iniquity um, that that um, he would um, be punished for that. And so God said, I will establish my kingdom through through um, David's son. OK, so God's desire, God desired to um, make David a house. So we see 
that the hinting of making uh, David a house for him to, for God to, to dwell in, okay? Um, and so you see the instances that David's son is Solomon, but at the same instance, David's son is Jesus Christ, okay? Um, and so this is what we uh, call the Davidic covenant. God wants to dwell in us. So what Solomon built was not the highest meaning of God's dwelling place. And we must understand the, level, the leveling in God's word. Um, this confused the audience that, that Stephen was talking about. So when you read Stephen's sermon, it may sound like, it may sound like well, to the original audience, it sounded like that he was downgrading or blaspheming the temple. And so, of course, in the law, if you blaspheme, blaspheme the Lord, that causes that, that, that is the, that is death. And so that's one of the reasons, that's the reason why Stephen was stoned because he was blaspheming the temple, but he was actually trying to, he was giving actually revelation, new revelation uh, at that point there to show that the, the, um, the importance of the physical temple is no longer um, important and that, the, that, um, that God now dwells inside of us. But because the Jews did not understand what Stephen was talking about, they took his life. And this is the one disciple, the one follower of Jesus Christ, where Jesus got up from his throne and, and, um, and well, God got up from his throne and welcomed him in. Okay. And so what Stephen said really offended the people. Um, and so we, um, uh, sometimes in our walk and sometimes the things that we uh, that God has called us to do, it may offend people because they may not understand the reason of what you're doing today. I mean, what we, what you're doing uh, for God, okay? And so um, Peter, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Every time you see in scripture, when Peter's about to do something radical, you'll see, um, you'll see um, the scripture says, Peter, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul, feel with the Holy Spirit, being in field to do that particular task that God has called for them to do. And here, Stephen, being filled with the Holy Spirit uh, was unctioned uh, by the Holy Spirit to speak to the people of God. And Stephen didn't hold back either. <laughs> he let them have it. And in the result, he lost his life. But that is the, the, um, the consequences or the, the, the requirement of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you may lose your life, whether it be physically, whether it be um, whether it be in a different way of losing your life as to giving up certain particular things, but that is the call of, of a disciple. Okay, so um, so yeah, that that's what, what was going on during that time here. Let's let's um, touch this one here, and then I'll be done here. And it says in chapter four we will receive the response by the temple leaders to this miracle of, uh, to this miracle. In the response, we know something pivotal in Jewish history because of the potency of God's unfolding um, salvation. The religious leaders and all of the people of Israel are confounded and they have no explanation. Okay, but God. So as Bible students today, as well as Luke original readers, we are seeing the actual changing of the guards. Um, so when God delivered, so when God delivered um, Peter uh, and, and John from, from the jail, God miraculously delivered them. Okay. They did not run like, uh, like we would probably do, uh, but they stayed, they went back to work. They went back into the courts, began to preach to non-believing Jews about Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, so then going back to the slide, it says, remember Jesus had told his disciples after his resurrection, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given in, uh, for, given to me. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Nope. Let's keep going here. It says, well, in this passage, we see in Peter's response to this question asked of him in four, seven, the ushering in of this new age in four, eight, and 12. Um, no, I'm thinking I'm gonna stop right here because I want to do this, this part next week here. But um, so today we just kind of covered uh, the, the temple system and how the, their structure was set up as the, the high priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees were in charge. Now it, it has, um, it has um, changed hands, it's changed the changing of the guards. 
and now the responsibility of the church is is um, at the at this particular time in scripture was by the apostles. And then, as you see, the apostles began to establish authority in the church, and uh, now the responsibility, even unto today, is with the elders and the teachers and the in the shepherds uh, to. Uh, continue to take care of God's flock and to continue to build them up in, in the way of the Lord. Okay. And so, um, and so to understand that now we are in a period of trans looking in the book, looking in the scriptures that we are in a period of transition where they were still going to the temple and still doing sacrifices, but not realizing that the, that the, uh, that the spirit of the Lord is no longer in the temple. So just think you're um, in the in the temple in the um, temple gates preaching that the holy the the Holy Spirit or God is no longer dwelling in the holies of holies. Just think of how radical that message was um, that the that the apostles and that other disciples began to begin to preach, and that the presence of God is now inside of us. Just think of how how blasphemy that sounds, how crazy that sounds to the point where many of them lost their lives, okay? So um, any questions or comments um, about this particular lesson here? All right, we are quiet on today and that's fine, but make sure you're doing your reading because next week we will pick up, not next week, but when we get back together, on January 8th, uh, we will pick up the, the rest of the rest of this reading here. So you have time to catch up on your assignments. And also uh, we will return back to in-person TLC and also have the Zoom meeting as well. Um, and so that another email will be going out um, concerning um, us getting back together in person, okay? Uh, so there aren't, if there aren't any comments or questions about this particular section, I will go ahead and pray out. Uh, Father God, I thank you for this day. Thank you, oh God, for just allowing us to get together and to worship and adore your holy name. Thank you, oh God, um, for allowing us to learn more about your word, Father. I thank you, oh God, for, um, for the transition that took place back in Acts, oh God, that our, now our focus is no longer on religion, rituals, but our focus now is on, is on relationship with you, Father. And so um, in that, we will not take that for granted, God, that we have the ability to build a close relationship with you, Father. So God, continue to bless us and continue to keep us, allow us to um, to continue to, to get to, to get deep in this word, God, and in all of our getting, God, that we will not become weary, um, God, and that we, um, in our getting, we will get understanding as well, Father. And so, God, we lift you up and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all, and you all have a good day. God bless you, Elder. Bless you. Happy holidays to everyone. Thank to you. Yeah.